Hey, great to be here again. Great to have you today for incredible, incredible journey. My name is Gary Fowler. I'm the CEO, co-founder, and president of GST Venture Studios, a premier AI and quantum venture studio located in Santa Clara, California. We love artificial intelligence and quantum computing. Welcome again. And today, it's my pleasure to introduce Sahil Ahmed. So Sohil is an entrepreneur, an investor, I mean, incredible background from Calgary all the way to Scotland, has done all kinds of deals, a fintech pioneer, has really started in 1997 at the beginning of this all. He's done a lot of incredible things. And today we're going to talk about private capital and decentralized markets. So it's with great pleasure and honor that I introduce Suhail. Hi, Suhail. How are you today? Hello, uh, Gary. Thank you very much. My, happy to be here. Doing very well. Yeah, good to see you today. So, okay, now I got a, I got a question for you. So yes. going back to your Calgary days, I was up there in July one time, and there was this thing okay. called a stampede. Absolutely. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> I have never seen a town converted to the Wild West. <laughs> but I saw it, it, there. It, it, it is amazing, and we call it the uh, the greatest show, uh, or the greatest outdoor show on earth, and, and that's kind of the official title of the Calgary Stampede. And and, and you know, people were so fun and having such a good time. It was like you know, it was like my imagination of what the modern day Wild West would be like. It kind of takes you back into time, and uh, you know, it's, it's it's one of those traditions that you know every year Calgarians uh, uh, go, and of course we get a, hundreds of thousands of people coming from all over the world. Um, and actually, one of my uh, part-time jobs, one of my first kind of full-time jobs, was at the Calgary Stampede. You know, and uh, you know, I was uh, I, I did my um, ten days, twelve-hour shifts or ten days, um, and I was basically. Um, Kind of the the security guard at the, the rodeo entrance. So I was with the with the cowboys and the cowgirls that were you know, trapping you at the rodeo. <laughs> at the rodeo. Yeah, and so like, I got to see it uh, right up front. You know, like stories I've heard. That's like, <laughs> what did you do for a living? I was a security guard at the rodeo, and I went to the and, <laughs> Absolutely, and, and that was kind of my first because I had turned eighteen, right? And uh -huh. uh, and and they were looking for, and you had to be eighteen because of security, and uh, and and I'm like, well, you know, let me see. Oh, ten days, and a lot of my friends from uni were were doing it, and uh, so it was a great experience. And uh, you know, I'd never been on my feet for twelve hours, ten days straight. And uh, but it was fun. There was a lot of fun. Met a lot of uh, cool people. Now I got a another thing. I had never heard of Chinook winds before, and I went up to Calgary in the middle of the winter. I had seen a receptacle hanging out of the radiator of the car. I had never seen that before. You know, being from Pennsylvania and now California and Florida, I'd never seen it. I didn't realize that people really plugged their cars in at nighttime. So it was another level of cold that I had never Oh, yes. Yeah. You, know, it's, uh, uh, you know, you literally have uh, plugs. You know, now you see plugs for electric vehicles, right? Mm -hmm. We actually had uh, electrical plugs just to keep the battery and the engine block from not freezing. Uh, so when you drove your car to the uh, you know park and ride, you actually had to plug it in because if you didn't and you came back, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to start your car. <laughs> That's what I, I actually went back in. It was the car rental, yeah. national 
car rental. I went back in. I said, excuse me, ma'am. I think there's a problem. My car's got not this. Not <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a plug. Will in the engine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And yeah, no, it's incredible. Well, I got a question for you. How do you go from Calgary, right, and mm. move from Calgary to Scotland? What was that journey like, and what, yes. what happened? How did you do that, and why did you do it? Well, yeah, no, that's uh, quite an interesting uh, uh, decision, and it was kind of a life-changing decision, to be honest. And uh, so I've been born and raised in Calgary. And, um, you know, in 2006, I moved to actually Toronto for three years, and I was heading up an investment bank uh, there. And then, um, you know, you know what happened in 2008, 2009 with the credit crisis and investment banking wasn't really... Nothing good. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing good. And uh, and investment banking, uh, capital markets, you know, everything was pretty much um, uh, down deep in the hole. And I always wanted to, you know, get into, you know, because I'm a kind of an entrepreneur at heart, right? So I'm an innovator thinker and I'm saying, like, how could this happen? You know, how could so many smart people not see this? Right. And then, um, you know, and I was looking at going back to kind of school, you know, doing my MBA, which I've always wanted to do. But you never get an opportunity when you're working full time. And I said, if I do it, I want to do it full time. Um, Then I started looking at schools and that kind of gave my wife an opportunity to introduce Edinburgh Business School because she's actually Scottish. She's from Edinburgh. And uh, and then uh, I said, now, did you meet her there or did you meet her in Canada? Yes, yeah, so that's an interesting story in itself. So mm-hmm. I actually met her in Calgary. Uh, family friends, she had been visiting uh, for holidays, um, and we met and uh, over holidays. And and two years later, we were getting married. Wow, that's <laughs> and, uh, so. She spent uh, so she lived with me in Calgary uh, in Toronto, and and one of the things she could never get used to was the winters, and I guess the car plugs and you know everything that goes with the harsh winters that we've got in Canada. Um, and and I visited Edinburgh very you know uh, regularly, being you know in laws being there, and uh, and she she said it never snows, it almost never snows in Scotland or in Edinburgh at least, mm-hmm. right? And I said fine, Edinburgh Business School, one of the top schools, I'd get more international exposure. You know, instead of going to York or going to somewhere in the U.S., you know, I wanted more international exposure. Uh, so in 2010, I moved to Scotland uh, with the family. Big move. Um, and, uh, and in 2010, interestingly enough, Gary, um, Scotland or the UK had one of the largest snowstorms in history. And <laughs> yeah, we were literally... What happens when you come from Calgary? <laughs> and we were literally like... like snowed in. Home, yeah. <laughs> I wrote my first MBA exam and uh, I could barely get the car out of the, the, the parking lot at mm-hmm. the university because we were snowed in. And I was expecting my third born. My wife had called that she was going into labor while I was writing my MBA exam. And I literally, the guys helped me uh, push the car out, you know, out of the parking lot so I could get it back on the road. Got home, took my wife to the hospital. And then uh, later that uh, day, um, or was it the next day or, or that day? Okay, I'm getting old. This about about ten years ago, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my my third uh, born, my, my son was born, and uh, so that was quite uh, an experience. So 2010 was a huge year. You know, well, changed you know, continents. Is, you had a lot of practice driving in snow when you were in California. Oh yes. So and and this is uh, like a, a five series, a BMW five series. So you can imagine the fun. You can have yeah, it exactly. in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, 
So, so that was a big move and a beautiful city. You know, I love the people, the Scottish people, very, uh, a lot of engineering talent, mm-hmm. really smart people down to earth. Um, and in Edinburgh in the UK, you know, one of the nice things is I'm, I'm able to actually uh, talk to people, you know, all over the world. The, the time zone is kind of perfect. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Brits kind of rigged it, you know, the GMT, you know, so that way, you know, it's, it's like uh, 5 p.m. my time, but I'm able to talk to people out in California uh, in the mornings. I still have enough time to talk to people in Malaysia or Singapore, uh, and, and it's a really nice uh, place. No, it's great, and I've heard a lot of good things about it. And by the way, Calgary is really beautiful for my audience out there that that uh, wants to see an incredible place. I mean, Banff is one of the most beautiful places on the planet Earth. Just an incredible place. Absolutely. Um, you know, skiing's just phenomenal. So just a wonderful, wonderful place with a lot of excitement. Just wear your warm clothes. Yes, absolutely. I prefer to go in July and attend the same while you're there. Yeah, yeah. July's <laughs> perfect. July, August, yeah. um, just a perfect time. So how do you go? I, I, You know, so looking down through your CV, one of the things, there was a company called Know You More. Yes. What's Know You More? Know You More is an amazing company, and uh, you know I was going to surprise the guys with a bit of a plug-in. So Know You More, you know, and uh, the first time actually I met the guys, um, you know, again it, it was called uh, Dot Coach, mm-hmm. um, and the whole idea was to help people understand themselves. So you know how we have Know Your Client, mm-hmm. right? Um, you Know You More is basically a digital coaching platform, mm-hmm. right? that uh, helps uh, employers, corporates, public sector support their people with digital coaching, mm. right? And this is something, you know, the, the founders, Tim uh, and uh, Shirak, uh, had this vision, you know, five years ago, right? And at that time, digital coaching, you know, it, it was a bit of a tough sell. You know, it was all personal leadership development, mental well-being. You know, you had to go sit with a person and, you know, they had people coming out to companies and spending time. Uh, these leadership coaches, wellness coaches, right? And uh, so Know You More wanted to disrupt that space. You know, it's uh, you're probably familiar of kind of uh, uh, Better Up, uh, you know, and uh, some of the other kind of digital coaching apps. Mm-hmm. But the unique thing about us is that we actually, it is people to people. You know, we are actually connecting, you know, people with real qualified coaches. The whole process is digital. Mm-hmm. And and it enables people to just become a better version of themselves, um, and and I think it's uh, you know coaching uh, in general has grown significantly over the mm-hmm. past few years, uh, and now with the pandemic with COVID, you know there's a lot more need within organizations to support their people. Well, I mean, actually, it was kind of trying time for last year. Exactly, it's almost like connect the coach. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is and then it's you know but at, at a high quality level like we deal with our clients include the nhs national health service uh, mm-hmm. here uh, in scotland the education services companies like seaman uh ocado so you know it's uh, i think employers are, are wanting to invest more because now they're, they're they've kind of got maybe you know they are stress environment stress uh, from the pandemic there's economic pressures um, and, and more, you know, and there has been downsizing to a certain degree, you know, across sectors. So there's, you know, less people doing pretty much the same, if not more work, right? And, and that creates uh, a need. So, well, I mean, the other things are not moving. I don't know about you, but yeah. I mean, I, I sit my uh, butt 
a lot during the uh, it's incredible agree yeah it's uh, you know and i had to actually uh, within the, the office you know i've got my main office and i've like put a, uh, a standing desk in the corner uh, and that's kind of the only way i can kind of now start to you know split my time and any anytime i'm checking emails or any kind of uh, things which are i'm either walking or standing you know i you know so that's kind of a, a way to kind of get at least uh, <laughs> get my butt off the chair for a little bit exactly and you know it's it's interesting going down through it i got a question what's the um so if you could say what are the top three as coaches i don't know if you know this but what are the top three today you know during this pandemic what do they talk about what are the challenges that the folks have as uh you know within organizations Great question, Gary. And, um, you know, again, we deal with organizations ranging from healthcare to technology. Uh, but one of the, the pressing needs, I think, is uh, mental well-being. Of course, you know, people are just generally more stressed, um, concerned. There's a higher level of anxiety and stress. Um, the second is uh, leadership development. Mm -hmm. where you know there's more need for people to step up and, and be able to um, you know fulfill new roles and digital transformation in itself mm -hmm. is kind of accelerating a need for people to adapt and change mm -hmm. and whenever you have change you know that's difficult and this is where coaching or, or support comes in either you know we can support the internal coaches within an organization build up their internal coaching and mentoring um, or be able to provide you know, access to qualified coaches uh, from external. Um, and then the third, I, I think, is just the um, that kind of transition part. You know, business is changing. You know, we are, uh, you know, the you know, you've probably seen this, you're on the front lines with what's happening in AI and quantum computing. Um, you know, we're going into whatever you want to call it, industry 4.0. You know, business is not going to be, there is not, go we're not going back to the normal. Mm -hmm. what, what I think and uh, you know we are uh, moving into a new era yeah I agree 100%. I mean the, the world's fundamentally changed over the last year and by the way so how you know McKinsey said 93% of the companies worldwide uh, were going to change go through the digital transformation over the next 10 years but the situation is companies either had to adapt or die in a very short period of months so everything from work, more remote workforce management to Zoom calls to StreamYard, all kinds of ways to connect in a different way. And you're right; it's it's interesting because, you know, as I I was a psychologist. I got my graduate degree in psychology, and I remember, you know, when we talked about social psychology and uh, human well-being, people want to be around other people. I mean, they just were we're social creatures. We don't we're not used to being isolated. And the one yeah. thing that's happened. I don't know about you, but I work a lot more hours than I've ever worked in my life. And because I don't travel, it's not like I have a lot of downtime. <laughs> exactly. Well, again, I'm not sure if you see the eye bags, but <laughs> you know, you're right. Dude. We're actually spending more uh, time, uh, I think uh, too much time in front of our screens. Um, and because now there's no excuse, you know, it's not like I, I can say I'm traveling or I'm heading to a meeting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, I'm not the one. <laughs> That's right. You know, travel used to be my great get away, uh, get a, get free 
get out of jail free card, right? I'd be like, you know, guys, I'm traveling for the next week, so I'll take care of it when I come back. Yeah, exactly. But now <laughs> when you get back, is like right away, right? It's, That's right, yeah. Up tomorrow. No, I agree. Yeah. So let's talk about the private capital, decentralized markets. I mean, what's happening there right now? What is happening in, in private capital and decentralized markets? Yes. Well, you know, again, the private capital markets uh, are transforming, right? Literally in front of our eyes. Um, and a lot of that is to do with blockchain. And, you know, and if you go beyond the hype, you know, we've seen what's happening in, um, you know, NFTs and, and ICOs and all these um, altcoins and, and so on. But the real change is uh, coming at the kind of the exchange levels. Right. And this is where the private capital markets have always been kind of limited to the, the, the venture capitalists, the private equity guys, uh, maybe the hedge funds. But now what we're seeing is that, you know, over the past two or three years, particularly several projects have, have come about that are trying to provide access and reduce costs. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and this is one of the, the things that I've really been passionate about. You know, I've been an investor, kind of a trader all the way from the dot com days. You know, I remember the dot com. Uh, I don't know if you recall the the globe dot com and, and all these, you know, companies that yeah, went right in the middle of it. I was in right. Valley. Exactly. So I founded a company called uh, Broadian. Uh, yes. with broad vision and vignette and, and uh, a lot of the, you know, I, so because I was in the Valley, I knew a lot of the founders and, you know, went completely through it. And I did an IPO, by the way, I was on the original management team of Click yes. Software. We did an IPO in uh, June of 2000, the bubble burst in March. And oh. we, we did the calculations. It was either do the IPO, we're probably going to run out of money. So we did yeah. the and the rest is history, but you live it right through it to see the fundamental changes that took place yeah. in this incredibly vibrant community to go like, it was like a ghost town. It was, it was literally, you know, uh, well, that's what you call a boom and a bust, right? You, you had this vertical uh, and you're seeing the same thing now. And the reason I bring up the internet, Gary, is because I see what's happening, you know, what the internet did to telecom mm -hmm. and telecommunications, um, and, and I kind of began in 1995, right? And it took a while. You know, we're seeing blockchain starting to make the same level of impact in the capital markets, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and you have, um, you know, and I call this shift that we're going to see from crypto to tokenization, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, cryptocurrencies are kind of the buzzword. Everybody's playing them and they're kind of like a dot-com, right? You buy something in the morning, you sell it by evening and you make money and people think you know it always goes up that's right oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. right and 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 it's gonna end badly you know it's it, it, it can't you know i, I don't know i don't even want to talk about the the, the the dodgy coin right it was happening and um, but you know what i see is that with now the advancements in blockchain just like the internet in 1995 it was slow it was clunky you know, you didn't have the, the protocol, you didn't have speed that you needed. Right. With right. blockchain, we have a similar problem. You know, it's amazing, but it's not, you know, fast. You know, you can't compete with the payment rails, right? And it's got a lot of these uh, limiting factors. But those limiting factors are slowly falling away, right? Mm -hmm. And as advancements in, in blockchain and different protocols come about, a lot of amazing work is happening. 
um, you know, we're going to be able to create uh, an alternative system, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the whole idea with Aldac, which is something that, you know, we launched last year, um, is to create an alternative capital market. Mm-hmm. And, and NASDAQ, you know, NASDAQ kind of revolutionized the capital markets 50 years ago. You know, it was 1971 that NASDAQ was formed and it was the first digital exchange. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, people said, oh, nobody's, you know, going to trade on the NASDAQ. You have to go to the floor of the New York Stock yeah, Exchange. I remember. I remember. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And uh, so, so the idea with Altac is to create an alternative digital asset quotation market, right? create an alternative to the NASDAQ that enables you know, uh, companies to raise capital, list uh, at a fraction of the cost that it does at, on NASDAQ. Because NASDAQ, to be honest, you know, is a big boy's market now. You, know, you, you can't go yeah, on the NASDAQ. <laughs> right. So, so a small company with maybe a market cap of 500 to 100, or sorry, 50 million to 100, or maybe up to uh, that mark, you know, it's not feasible for them to do a NASDAQ listing. Mm-hmm. Um, but with tokenization, what we can do is we can actually not just tokenize equity and debt, but we can also tokenize. Uh, commercial agreements, such as joint venture agreements. We can tokenize uh, royalty agreements, right? We can tokenize IP, Now, how does right? that, which is really cool. How do you tokenize, you know, agreements? How do you tokenize IP? What's behind it? So what does it look like? Well, yes, so essentially IP is an asset, right? Mm-hmm. So it's an intellectual property, right? Mm-hmm. And when we say we're tokenizing it, what we're essentially doing is fractional, similar to what Robinhood does or some of these you know, apps are doing, they're allowing people to buy fractional shares. Mm -hmm. So when we say tokenizing IP, what you'd be able to do on all that is buy uh, part ownership in a patent or an intellectual property of a business. So what- In return for an investment. uh, I want to paint the picture because I've been down through a few times, right? So what happens that you get somebody that wants to buy the company but you got fractional ownership of the patents. Yes. How in the world can you sell the company? That's a great question because now what happens is it's very similar to having any other obligation, like a lease obligation, mm-hmm. right? So that obligation needs to either be rolled in, agreed, and carried on by the acquirer, mm-hmm. or um, it can be paid off. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about the tokenization and using smart contracts is that those rules that capital event can be programmed in the smart contract. Yeah, right? but so, so the value of the company goes dramatically up because of yes. they're just, you know, they're crushing it. They're, they're uh, you know, they're WhatsApp of the world. Uh, yes. They're going out. What happens then? How can you define that kind of an event? What do you just set up? Yes. Well, the, the, best, the this- best way with all of these companies, Gary, is uh, uh, kind of a, what we call a revenue share or revenue tracker. Mm-hmm. Right. So the value of your token is going to be linked to the revenue and it's going to derive itself from a portion of the revenues. Mm-hmm. Right. Which means that as startups, as tech startups, particularly, you know, you're not about you know creating profits we're about market share and reinvestment. Right. Mm-hmm. So with uh, tokenization, either using the IP or equity, we can actually link it to a share of the revenues. And create a formula that would be based, and the exit formula 
would be based on a percentage of revenues or PL or a combination of. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the most uh, exciting part of tokenization that you can actually customize it really specifically for the need of the business wow, uh, and still make it attractive enough for investors. And it's a non equity option. So there's no dilution, there's no talk about valuation. You know, we just need to agree to a percentage of the revenues or the exit price that will be shared with the token holders and its long-term patient capital. So what happens? I just I'm just the, again curious. Yes. Let's say a company comes out, you know, a Zoom, mm-hmm. and it's got incredible technology, but it just hasn't hit the market. It's kind of early, so the value of the IP is uh, X. You know. $100,000, I don't know, whatever it is. So that's door number one. Door number two is what happens if you don't sell enough of it? You only sell 50000 of the 100000 yeah. right? Then what happens is it hits. Another three years, all of a sudden, this becomes the darling of the world, right? There's a pandemic and it takes off. How do you like, I mean, it's if you got a lot of, you know, I just, I know if you got a lot of investors involved, Everybody, you know, everybody's got an opinion about what something's worth. Some person. Yes. How do you like placate the people? Say, oh, you know, they're irrationally exuberant. This thing is a fifty million dollar company. In reality, it's not. How do you do that? It's interesting for me. That is the the, the billion or trillion dollar question, Gary. Because and that's the same struggle a VC has, right? Mm-hmm. And as kind of an alt VC. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some of those challenges, no doubt, because you know it's all based on future projections. Mm-hmm. And the beauty is in the eye of the beholder mm-hmm. to a certain degree. So the way that we try to overcome it and still make it attractive for companies mm-hmm. is by you know helping them match them with the most suitable investors, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, if, as an example, so one of the things that we're doing is over the past uh, six months is just being building data. You know, really collecting and building a data set that allows us, and, and when we launch, it will allow us to, if you're an AI company, as an example, mm-hmm. looking at raising capital, we can actually shortlist and take your offer and test it before tokenizing it with, let's say, a thousand verified AI investors. And those could be venture funds, individual yeah. accredited investors. Company in general, or for the patents, well, or for the well, they they have got to believe because the company is going to issue the patent or has the patent, right? Right. So, uh, or the company has the asset that is going to be tokenized. So they've got to buy into the company. Yeah, they've got to love the company, and then they've got to have confidence in the asset appreciating, mm-hmm. based on the actions of the company, right? And right. so, so what we see is that you know we've got to sell both the company and the asset. Got it. No, that's interesting. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean, what's going to happen over the next uh, year? I mean, how's it? How's this going to grow? I know yeah. people are talking about it, and I hear tokenization. I also hear about, you know, I there's so many coins coming out now and so much in, in terms of, on one side of it, we are equalizing opportunity around the world, and we're moving away from, you know, physical fiat currency, right? We're moving into an totally a different world. On the other side, remember the dot-com stuff when there were a lot of very interesting, I remember pets, was a pets.com, the one that had the yeah, dog, yeah. That's right. dog puppet. And, and uh, but in reality, some of those companies were just a little early. They actually had some good models, 
right? Remember WebVan, you know, some of them, I mean, it actually, if the WebVan was around during the pandemic, it might have been an entirely different story. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and see, over the next year, uh, you know, it's almost, you know, um, difficult to say what's going to happen over the next year. I, I personally think, you know, I'm an investor in, I haven't bought any Coinbase yet, but, you know, I'm an investor in um, uh, digital assets or, or a few cryptocurrencies, but I invest primarily in projects, right, blockchain projects. Mm-hmm. Um, over the next year, I think we will see a shakeout. You know, like you said, you know, a lot, and, and this is what we're seeing right now in 20, which began in kind of 2020, is similar to 2017. Mm-hmm. You know, you're having this FOMO effect. You're having a lot of retail, uh, what I call amateur money coming into it. Right, that are and, and you see, you know, these twenty-year-olds on YouTube, you know, you know, cryptocurrency experts, right, and, and all this uh, stuff, and that's just a sign. And when your taxi driver starts asking you, you know, what coin, what's your favorite coin, you know, then you know the tops here, and we'll probably see prices collapse by 90 percent. Mm-hmm. Probably not in Bitcoin, <laughs> right? So I think Bitcoin, Ether, because now institutional money has come in. Ethereum. And lo- what do you think about Ethereum? Ethereum uh, is my favorite, to be honest. I think Ethereum uh, is going to go uh, much higher, right? Um, so I, I could see Ethereum at 5,000, 5 to 10,000 over the next uh, two to three years. Um, Bitcoin, I think, is again, that's kind of the US dollar, but I think over time it's going to lose its significance, particularly as uh, central banks bring in digital currencies, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the, the key for, I think, like even Coinbase, you know, is an interesting case. You know, and uh, and I made a note when I, I on the post that I think Coinbase is the Netscape of cryptocurrency exchanges mm-hmm. because if you look at Coinbase, it's actually a centralized exchange mm-hmm. dealing in cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. The future is going to be decentralized autonomous organizations. Mm-hmm. Like our vision for all that is to create a decentralized exchange, which mm-hmm. means that there is no middleman. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have this intermediary. So the NASDAQ, you can only trade on the NASDAQ through a broker, mm-hmm. right? You, you cannot directly trade on the NASDAQ. Mm-hmm. You have to go through a broker. Um, you have to pay brokerage fees. Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be settlement with a custodian and, and all this stuff. And, and, and to list on NASDAQ, God forbid, you know, you're looking at millions of dollars in, in fees and legal and investment banking and, and so many middlemen, right? Mm-hmm. So what the true goal of decentralized finance and the future of private capital markets is the removal of this intermediary mm-hmm. and having the community and having the marketplace be kind of self-regulated, mm-hmm. autonomous, right? Uh, where it's a rule-based system and uh, and it doesn't require you to have uh, a broker. It requires, and, and you'll have, probably have some professionals mm-hmm. that are more expert at you know participating in it but you don't have to use them, mm-hmm. right? And you can actually, anyone can own almost any asset anywhere mm-hmm. in the world directly and receive the dividends, the revenue share in the palm of their hand through the digital wallet, right? No. And uh, so uh, who, who was it, uh, Gary, that said, uh, I, I think uh, it was Thiel uh, that said software is going to eat the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what I'm saying to people is tokenization is going to eat the capital markets. Yeah. And yeah. There's, there's trillions of value that is going to be unlocked 
Right. So he already started. And you look exactly. at, I mean, we deal in Africa a lot. And you look at what's happening down in all over Africa. There's specifically Nigeria. I mean, they're really, they're quantum, you know, I, I use quantum leap a lot. I probably shouldn't because I, I write about quantum. So yes. quantum leap, but a move. Anyhow. Uh, leapfrogging, absolutely. I mean, it's really amazing how that's happened. And so these countries that have not had the infrastructure really moving into another direction ahead of everybody else. It's incredible. And, you know, I, I wrote an article recently called The Democratization of, of Opportunities, Nikola Tesla's Dream Comes True, and uh, Forbes. And the reason is because it's really, you know, exactly what you're doing is really equalizing the opportunity. Everybody can participate, and it's not one club. On the other side, you better have some knowledge because, as you said, you don't want your taxi driver, Uber driver, saying, hey, listen, what coins are you invested in? And it gets wild, but you're, you know, there are coins, there are environments like Ethereum, like Bitcoin, that you know, are going to move forward and take off. And we are going to move forward in terms of this digital economy. It's already happened. And there's going to be some people that resist it, but eventually it's going to have to happen or you won't be able to participate. It has leveled the playing field in a lot of ways. So, you know, a more power to you. And, and I like the idea where you cut out the middlemen or women because it actually reduces the costs and allows you to get things done a lot faster. Across the board, whether it's real great transactions, whatever, it just changes. What about AI? So you talk about blockchain, but remember artificial intelligence. What's your, what are your opinions about AI and blockchain? Well, I think uh, AI and blockchain, uh, you know, I'm involved with several kind of companies that are looking at, you know, bringing these two technologies together. Um, you know, I think AI is great. Um, you know, as a non-technical, you know, I, I think it, it just um, uh, it gets overhyped, and you probably see that in the space too. You know, you know, I come across a lot of companies that try to put AI in it just to kind of prop up the valuation. But when you look at it, you're like, you know, do you really? Is it really truly, you know, native AI, right? But I think you know, AI is basically going to do that same thing that blockchain is doing in a way which is helping automate, streamline, mm -hmm. and reduce costs, mm -hmm. right? And being data-driven. Blockchain, the beautiful thing about blockchain is it's rule-based. You know, mm -hmm. it can't be discriminatory. It can't be prejudiced. You know, the mm -hmm. smart contract is rule-based. doesn't matter if it's Gary in the U.S. or Sahil in Scotland. It's going to do the same thing mm -hmm. for both of us, right? And, and I think AI, the key with AI is, uh, of course, having great data sets, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think AI is, is already changing business. You know, it's already making significant impact. Uh, what would be really cool to see how AI can be incorporated with, you know, blockchains, uh, with, you know, virtual reality and some of all this, uh, you know, neat stuff that is kind of, uh, I think, going to change a lot of industries significantly. I mean, you look at it today, Suhail, there are 40 zettabytes of data on the planet Earth today. So put it in perspective. If you took CDs or DVDs and stacked them one on top of another, it would go 29 times between the Earth and the moon. 29. Growing at over 67%, between 67 and 68% per year. We are in a state of infobesity. So any way that we can go down through using uh, semi-supervised and unsupervised AI, to make our lives a lot better. Now think about it, you know, during this pandemic, uh, 
You couldn't even get a roll of toilet paper in places in the U.S. because we didn't understand it. We didn't have transparency into the supply chain. Hmm. So here we are developing quantum computers, and we can't get a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> yeah, the aliens must be looking at us and saying, these guys are pretty strange. Uh, <laughs> so we got all that. And then, you know, within your own personal cloud, you have about 300,000 items on average. There were only 257,000 websites in 1996. So the average person has more within their own personal cloud, the entire web. The challenge is how many times every week does somebody say to you, uh, did you get my message? And where did you send it? Uh, can you send me the email again? Because we don't have time. We are inundated. So that number doubles every year. In five years, it's going to be 10 million items. So artificial intelligence, where is it going to come in? Because we're going to go from not um, smart assistants, but intelligent assistants. It's almost like having, you know, somebody that's compassionate. And I talk about compassionate AI that cares about you like your mother. At the same time, to be able to help guide you through your life, because there are going to be so much data coming out everywhere, health living to 150, all this, that it's just incredible. So having it as part of the blockchain, looking at massive amounts of data sets, being able to make the right kind of decisions at the right time at the right place is going to be critically important. This is really part of what you're doing is really streamlining our lives, the optimization of our lives, using intelligence behind it. That's where the it's going to become beautiful. So, you know, it's uh, uh, I, I, we talk about it every day. We write about it. <laughs> Almost every day, but it's uh, right. It is, and even uh, like in the capital markets, uh, you know, AI, and even what we're looking at AI is basically kind of to really one to capture bad actors, you know, on, on the platform, right? Being able to attract and capture bad actors, and the second is to really improve um, the kind of the matchmaking between the investors and the entrepreneurs, and be able to kind of provide that predictive capability, right? Mm -hmm. Where once we have enough data, we can actually help determine what are the, the trends within uh, certain categories of the market, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that can actually help uh, reduce, hopefully reduce volatility rather than increase it because, you know, I don't know if you've seen or heard about lumber prices. Oh, in the past, right? <laughs> right? So it, it's like lumber prices have jumped up like 600%. Yeah, yeah. It's right? Amazing, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and and uh, you know, and uh, you know, yeah, we're now technically we, we could tokenize lumber, we could tokenize forest, we could, but you know, with the data, we can actually anticipate these changes in demand and supply much more accurately than is done now by traders on the floor. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. That's why you know we talk about transparency in the supply chain. It's exactly you know That's exactly it. All the way to toilet paper in the store. So it's incredible. It's an incredible world. You know, you're doing a great job uh, in over 22 years of uh, experience in the capital markets. I mean, you just, it's amazing. And I really appreciate you uh, joining my show today, Suhail. And and um, uh, it's phenomenal. And uh, I, I love Calgary. <laughs> it's a great. Thank you. I don't know, though, I've heard a lot of uh, good things about it. Yes. Well, so, we got to meet up uh, at the Stampede one of these years. That would be fun. And, no, great. No, thank you so much, uh, Gary, for inviting me, and a pleasure speaking with you. Sure. So, on, and uh, closing thoughts, your closing thoughts, and and uh, what do you see happening over the next six months? And um, 
what do you what do you wish to say to my uh, audience? Well, first of all, you know, I wish to say thank you for listening to us and and being here. Um, over the next six months, uh, you know, in, in the short term, I think uh, the markets, the capital markets, are kind of a voting machine, and in the long term, they're a weighing machine. Uh, and I've stolen that from Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. And uh, so in, in the short term, just, I think, be cautious. I, I think the markets are uh, exuberant, uh, particularly in digital assets and in alternative markets. Uh, but just uh, educate yourself. You know, the, the best investment you can make is actually understanding and, uh, you know, the capital markets. And you don't have to be, like, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand rockets, right? And this mm -hmm. is what I like to uh, you know, tell people. But know your basics, and mm -hmm. and uh, and and then know the tools, and and hopefully we can uh, we can help investors do a lot better and help companies save a lot of money. No, I agree. And if it's a rocket. Make sure you're not in the flame. <laughs> exactly. Like, so yeah, how do people get a hold of you? Babe? You know, we have a lot yes. of and, and the startups. Now. How do they get a hold of you? So they sure. Can and so the best way to get a hold of me um, uh, by email, uh, sa at alldeck.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Sohail Ahmed and on LinkedIn. Uh, just search me or search Alldeck and uh, uh, look forward to connecting. Sohail, thanks for taking time at a busy schedule. I really appreciate it. It's great to see you again. And to my thank audience, you. thank you for joining uh, GST Presents one more time. Stay tuned for another GST Presents. So there's Great. Thank Stay you. Healthy and uh, be optimistic. Take care. Talk to you soon. Cheers.